All right, everybody. It is Thursday. It's Lots Thursday. of news. It's Thursday. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. That happened fast. What a delight. Uh, we do have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're talking about Meta's new text to video tool. Mm. You heard that right. And yes, it makes real videos. AI is here. AI is yeah. here. I'm officially scared now. Before, when I watched my Roomba bouncing off of everything and not being able to figure out how to get under the table, I wasn't worried about AI, but now I am. And I think um, we are now in the final stages of the downturn. I've been saying I thought the summer would be an inch of the fall. Q3 and Q4 would be this bottoming out process, bouncing along the bottom. And what were the signs? I said it all along. The two signs I'm looking for is like the big companies to do riffs and maybe people to cut salaries. Those are the hardest things to do. And mm -hmm. right when we were on air, Meta is talking about a hiring freeze and then a restructuring, aka a gentleman's uh, layoff is coming apple stock down six percent today after being down yesterday that was one of the final cathedrals to fall and then softbank the vision fund is cutting a third of their staff so major rifts major market downturns this is the end game everybody we're going into the trough of the recession we're in the eye of the storm but the good news is uh there's some really good news i get into for startups yeah fascinating fascinating uh macroeconomic talk and then mm. I scamper and Jake Cal just has a hell of fun talking about TV with Lon. <laughs> They're gonna yeah, we talk about House of the Dragon, uh, the 10 year time jump, did it work or not? This class action lawsuit with Discovery uh, for the HBO Max things. Uh, uh, the CCP drama. is obviously, yeah, a lot of, little bit of drama for, for General Zod's law. And the mm -hmm. CCP uh, centering a popular Chinese film. And then we talk about Nomadland and Amazon uh, and just the great art of filmmaking and what Lon and I love about filmmaking. And which actors we'd most like to see do something completely boring like make a French omelet. It's a great episode. Oh, stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by OpenPhone. As a startup founder, a lot of mistakes are easy to roll back, but using your personal cell phone number as your company number isn't one of them. Open Phone makes it easy to get business phone numbers for you and your team right on top of your existing devices. Visit openphone.com slash twist to get 20% off your first six months. LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. And Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Your first app is free forever, and right now, Odoo is offering $1,000 off your first implementation pack at odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot -O com slash twist. I saw trending on Twitter. Meta is getting in the OpenAI Dolly game. Mm-hmm. You can, you can type something and get back a movie? I <laughs> mean... Like, it's like, what do you even say when that's the headline? Like, we have arrived in the yeah. future, and it is exactly as banana pants as you thought it was going to be, because evidently, you can now auto-generate with AI. Like, we knew AI art, AI art was becoming a thing, sure. and AI, AI text. Text, exactly. It's been writing, like, Finish little email sentence. Yeah. for ages, but now... Evidently, hmm. the software is not yet open to the public. Meta has not allowed any external media to play with this platform yet, but users can okay. sign up for early access to the makeavideo.studio mm -hmm. landing page, and you just type in text, and it creates a five-second video, max, right now, 
no mm-hmm. audio. I mean, I don't know what I expect. <laughs> oh, there's no audio in this video that a computer made out of the words I typed. It's coming. It's, it's bonkers. Well, I mean, absolutely I, bonkers. It, you can just type like I, I want a teddy bear painting a teddy bear in an impressionistic style and it will make that. So the data sets now are getting so good. The compute power is so good. Mm-hmm. And its ability to understand text is so good that, yeah, these things can look like they're CGI-ish. So I've always thought like it would be it, amazing for storyboarding to have a tool like this. I was always wondering why they didn't have this for storyboarding. So, you know, you, so you're, cool. you're working, you're John Favreau and Dave Filoni, you're doing the Star Wars stuff. And you're like, all right, let me see. Um, Give me Ashoka when she's like a young girl and it's like not too young uh maybe uh like a teen no preteen like 10 years old okay 10 year old ashoka all right now i want her with her mom and her mom is going to discover she has jedi she's force sensitive and mm-hmm. so i want to have her lifting um a cookie away and, you know so i just want ashoka lifting a cookie. And it's like building your storyboards but it doesn't look at this fidelity this fidelity yeah. looks closer to publishable than storyboard which is it really, really does. Like, it's whoa. not cartoonish it doesn't look and i mean it looks really we should we have a couple of videos if you should if you are not okay. watching us on youtube you should be youtube.com slash this weekend here's some some video demos mm. from this make a video website because it is bonkers so this one is a young couple walking in a heavy rain okay that's heavy rain and that's Heavy rain and I don't know how walking. it decided a cobblestone street. It added aesthetics to it. Cobblestone street. Just oh, for yeah, bonus you know, this like beautiful, like kind of light coming through. It's like the only uncanny valley thing about it is how they are walking in perfect sync. Did you see this? Yeah, perfect that's a little bit of a like the legs. Yeah, yeah, that's a little, a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah. And that lady's head is like not quite right, but still. Yeah. That's how you know they're Nexus 6. Decker. Right. That's how you, yeah. that's how you know they're, they're you replicants. <laughs> <laughs> they're replicants. <laughs> they look real, but they're walking in sync. They're walking in no sync. Cu- that's no how couple's you can tell. walking in sync. There's always a little bit of like somebody's leading, somebody's dragging the other person's arm. It's yeah. It's always the a little bit of negotiation together, there. just just like that. And then what's there was some ponies on a beach. Is that the, what the next one is? A unicorn unicorns running unicorns on a beach. unicorns running along a beach. Those are some yeah. scimitar again, looking horns. And again, they they look like they're perfectly in sync. So this is something the algorithm's got to put a little variability into it. This is the algorithm being too perfect. We never said what? we wanted them in sync. <laughs> yeah. Do but better it's, it's algorithm. Come on, Do algorithm. better. It's ridiculous. The world and then is this not that teddy perfect. Bear, the teddy bear painting a portrait. The, uh, the AI decided you must mean self-portrait. And so then mm-hmm. you have this teddy bear that's painting this like 3D version of itself. Yeah, and these are this five video second is videos, mind yeah. blowing. It's five seconds, just a loop. It's just a, these are little loops, but uh, we've seen this movie before. You know, like somebody takes a you know. Remember when drones came out and they'd be like, "Look, I, I made the drone go up and it stayed up for one minute, and then now right. it's like, yeah, look, I put a drone up there for thirty minutes and I put a machine gun on it and I you know killed three mannequins and came back." at 70 miles per hour <laughs> oh and it did it with yeah. ai because it did facial recognition and killed only the three people out of the 50 mannequins that we wanted to kill based on ai and you're like okay uh, okay that's how these things jump so just if people are wondering about like self-driving technology or um other ai like um you know solving chess remember that one or tic-tac-toe mm-hmm. these things like they kind of meander and then they're just all of a sudden go boop you get this like mm-hmm. hockey stick 
And we're in that right now. We're, that's what you're experiencing on this week in startups in 2022. Yep. And I think that's what you're experiencing with self-driving. AI is making the jump. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's literally making the jump right now. We're, we're right at that inflection point where these things are actually making us go, whoa. But previously, it was like, okay, you know, like, ah, okay. Yeah, you, you guess the next two words in Gmail. Got it. Okay. Right. I'd What's like to famous... invite you to, <laughs> you know, like, okay, good. You got two words, but yeah. There's that famous phrase about, I think bankruptcy, like how did you go bankrupt? And it's like gradually and, and then, then suddenly. Sudden. It was Ernest yeah. Hemingway. This is this is what we're seeing with AI. And and for a long time, people were, you know, we were starting to get unimpressed with it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, all AI can do is give me real-time traffic information and route me around accidents and police. I'm not knocking that. I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. That's pretty good technology. But then all of a sudden you're like on the cusp of, wow, I could write a screenplay. And have a computer turn it into the movie. I would kick them out of bed for eating crackers. That's just completely <laughs> selfish. Crackers Jason's in the like bed. Utterly derailed. He's like, that is awful. The cracker thing. The cracker thing is unforgivable. Apparently, I mean, everyone literally, is getting kicked out of bed for eating crackers in Jason's not house. Cool. <laughs> not cool. Not just not cool. I mean, I have this like battle for like. My wife is like, yeah, of course you could eat in the car. So I get in my car the other day. There's three <laughs> plates. Like kitchen plates are in the backseat of my car with fruit oh, on them. Oh, yeah, no, we don't But you know, the, the car has been baking in the Northern California heat wave. So I open the door and it smells like I just, you know, opened the, you know, the dumpster behind Fuddruckers. I mean, no I almost way. passed out as I took a picture. I said it to my wife. She was like, oops. I was like, am I going to put a pin? I literally am now at the point. This is how passive aggressive <laughs> this is getting. I was going to put a pin code on my Tesla so my wife can't drive my car. Does the kids like, eat in there? you're just, hilarious there, there's she, rules well, in my she messes car up your speed that, thing right too well i locked all the cars in speed I, i'm the other one i told she wanted me to um this is like the modern relationship navigation i put a speed limiter on our cars 84 yeah. miles per hour which means at 78 79 it starts telling you like hey it's, it starts slowing you down right about 78 79 why do i put it there because that's where you get tickets in california if you mm -hmm. go above 80 you're gonna get a ticket yeah. if you keep it under 80 just general rules. I, in my experience, I'm, this is not investment advice. It's not a J trade. <laughs> but I think generally, if you're uh, under 79 or under, they're not pulling you over. If you do pull Let's you see. over, you get a warning because they don't want to fill mean, out a ticket for 76. So you don't really get pulled over here. We don't Oakland really have is chaos. I went to we Oakland last two weekends laws in, a row. in Oakland right now. <laughs> it's crazy. I went to Oakland and I was like, is this Grand Theft Auto or Fast and the Furious? Because all I want to do is take my kids to. I found the greatest ice cream place in Berkeley. Oh my God. I've I'm had it open in a tab ever since you mentioned it, actually. I need that's oh, cool. on my agenda for the weekend. Right. All right. It's yeah. incredible. Um, so anyway, th this I went down the rabbit hole. It turns out Meta, FKA Facebook, really don't mm -hmm. like this, but Meta's got some dope stuff going on with regard to AI. And so they have there's been a, heavily investing in this. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. you go to meta.ai, you know, you think it's only Google with DeepMind, you think it's only, you know, the open AI, open AI project, but it seems like Meta is hiring a lot of people, a lot of PhDs. So if you follow the Meta, M-E-T-A, AI Twitter handle, what I do is I go to the replies tab and the likes. And um, I, you know, the, some of these tweets that they're doing, this is like a niche account, you start mm -hmm. looking at the likes, and I found all the PhDs, who work or who are fellows for AI at Facebook or Meta, or whatever. And I started following them. So this mm. is how I kind of like, just a little tip from Cal. like you find these little things, you go check out their likes, you check out their replies, you see who's replying to them. And you start clicking on them, look at their bios, you can kind of find the people who are building the future. 
these people are really building the future over there. It's pretty mm -hmm. crazy. They just spun out this thing called uh, PyTorch, uh, which is like a Python framework for artificial intelligence that I think was built inside of Meta, but they just gave it to the Linux Foundation and the top individual at the uh, Facebook AI is leaving to go run this foundation. So it's kind of interesting what's going on over there. Wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, and again, people have no idea, I think, the extent to which this research has been happening at Meta and Facebook. And and it partly because everybody was like, well, why are mm -hmm. they do? And it was like, why is Meta building the greatest AI in the world to just what, like optimize for groups you should sign up for, <laughs> you know, to show me more and more. It was sort of confusing to think about how it was going to play into the newsfeed, for example, or Instagram. But you have to assume that all of this has been about, I mean, certainly, to be clear, it is about optimizing these yes. ad serving products. That's what prints money and the better Bingo. they can do with that. Bingo. Yeah, you know, the more money they're going to continue to make. So it's 100% aimed at that. But also, it, as we realize it's metaverse ambitions, we got to figure it's about trying world to building. create world building exactly it's and create if you could make that five second video of unicorns running on the beach, that means you could just write that into code. You could write well, world building into code and have it auto generate and you don't have to like animate any of that. If I may put together your two points, please, and build on them. On the program today is Darina Kulia. She is the founder of OpenPhone. Welcome to the show, Darina. Thank you so much, Jason. Great to be here. Now, what mistakes do most founders make with phone numbers in their startups? Really delegation, right? Because what ends up happening is that as a founder, when you're starting, you do everything. You are the salesperson, the support person, the... You make the coffee, you do HR, marketing, sales, recruiting, everything. Yeah. But then eventually you you have you have people joining the team. And what ends yep. up happening is if, if as a founder, your phone number, let's forget about the privacy, the spam, all that problem, let's say it doesn't exist. But you're not going to want a year into your company, two years into your company to have all the support calls or oh. all the questions come to you because now you've just hired your support team. Why did you hire them? Yep. So that's another reason why having that separate number makes so much sense because you can always delegate those calls to your team as you grow. All right, everybody, here's your CTA, the old call to action. Twist listeners, 20% off any plan for your first six months. Just sign up at openphone.com slash twist. And if you got an existing number, no problem. They'll put it right over. Openphone.com slash twist. O-P-E-N-P-H-O-N-E dot -E com slash twist today for 20% off. Two excellent observations there. They hire these PhDs with the money they make from their ad network. And then mm -hmm. they make a deal with them. Okay, listen. Get people to click on more ads. And let's serve people ads that are so creepy. They think that we've got a camera in their house. Right. And we're watching them make spaghetti so we're going to you know offer them this spaghetti sauce like you know that all the discussions like I, I i was having a conversation at the concert and then i came home and it was a volvo ad that's what you're experiencing there so what you see in these cool you know uh you know teddy bear painting a teddy bear and unicorns on the beach that's what they're doing with ai that's why it seems like the ai is reading your mind because it's yep. got so many signals across so many people in your social graph we discussed this before okay now they're terraforming they're going to use ai to terraform you know, the metaverse. Yeah. This is why Zuckerberg is so drunk on this. And that's what I realized when I saw this. The reason Zuckerberg has so much conviction is because he's put these two things together, or really mm -hmm. three. He understands the social graph and he's mastered how to uh, surface for you things that provoke emotion in you. 
things that have emotional resonance. Okay, so let's just keep that one idea. I'm adding this to your two. He understands the social graph. Okay, great. And he understands how to give you things. Okay, here's a bar mitzvah. Here's a Trump story. You know, here's whatever news that make you come back. So he's, he's an engagement master. Okay, he's the advertising master. He knows how to get you what you want and get those clicks mm-hmm. for those advertisers, right? Most powerful ad network. One of the top two most powerful ad networks ever built. Google and his. Okay, now we got those two things. Great. Put those two things together. You get social media. You get Instagram. You get all that good stuff. But now you add... The, vir- the virtual reality piece, as you're saying, and terraforming. What if he built for you a world in which, you know, the rent the runway to do a callback to the rent the runway ad that we're doing here, <laughs> yes. or whatever rental clothing company competes with rent the runway? Just give me a couple names here so that I can spread the love here. And rtr.com slash twist. But yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't yeah, know. They anyway, have competitors. So Stitch now, Fix, they have, let's say. Okay, Stitch Fix, whatever. So now we have these other ones in there. And they build for you, Molly. When you're on the mm-hmm. way to meet me for our investment team meeting in the metaverse, you walk through a hall and your hall is a fashion show of all of this incredible world designed for you. Now, yeah. my journey to our staff meeting is going to be like Nick's and Mark Knopfler and other bullshit that draws me in to buy like some vinyl version or digital version of a Mark Knopfler concert that they recreated <laughs> for me in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. They're going to combine these things and they're going to terraform ads in virtual reality with this technology. Totally. So the it's going to be and, bonkers. Like the ads you see are going to be nuts. I'm finally going to live my preteen dream. Yes. As as evidenced in my absolute favorite show of all time back then, Gem and the Holograms. Basically going to be Gem and the Holograms. It's going to be Gem and the Holograms yes. in real life. It's going to be truly, truly, truly outrageous because I will walk into angle. my virtual closet. closet Stand on your pedestal. Stand on my pedestal and wear whatever outfit I want. And you'll be able to talk to me like, no, a red. No, more like burgundy. Somewhere between burgundy and a burnt orange. Give me like a sherbet and a, let's go accessories now. Diamonds. No, not diamonds. Emeralds. Oh, boom. And it's just going to be boom, 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 boom. Your outfit. Then it's going to be like, okay, based on everything you said and the last three movies you liked and the two places you ordered from on DoorDash, here's what we think your outfit should be. And And then I'm going to ride in. On a unicorn. Yeah. To our staff meeting. With hummingbird wings. Perfect. To our staff meeting. You'll fly that is there, how yes. I'm going to come to the staff and meeting. And I'm going to come in with like a headband <laughs> and like a, a you know, guitar. <laughs> and I'm going to just come in playing some Mark Knopfler riff. And it, the AI is going to write the Mark Knopfler album, and the, the, the Dire Straits album that never came out. It's literally going to make five yeah. more Dire Straits albums for me. And have Mark Knopfler perform them. And those five albums are going to be better than the ones I love most. And it, they're going to be customized to me. So it's going to know, I really like Telegraph Road. I really like Sultans. I really like Walk of Life. And the AI will make for me a concert of Mark Knopfler that's better than anything Mark Knopfler ever wrote. This is going to be insane. Yeah. And this is why he does not care if you make fun of his big doe princess eyes in version one of the metaverse. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that there aren't legs now and that the animation is kind of janky, like he and all of these other scientists who are building the thing that you're talking about, which is so is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Don't care what it looks like now. That is meaningless to them. It's sort of like um, every every like product manager or coder in the world gets so irritated with managers because they present some, you know, they're like, here's the. Here's the absolutely magical AI that can auto generate a conversation and a video and whatever. And then some manager and ding dong in middle management will be like, it doesn't look that good. And they're like, that 
is not the point. You have no idea how much genius and human hours and work went into creating this code. It will look fine later, but that's not the point right now. And I think that's where we are in the metaverse. That's like the manager who's like, you know, you Christopher Columbus lands in you know North America, and he's like, eh, I've seen better. You know, right. like it kind of felt like it's not much different than Spain. You know, like and it's it's like yeah. we we don't even know what's here yet. Can we just? Yeah, like 10 miles into this, like it, it's looking pretty dope to me. I will say Nick made an interesting point, though, in talking about this, the rollout of this AI tool, which is that there's so much ill will. Oh, God. So much ill will toward meta that the responses are basically just like, no, thank you. <laughs> of course. And so you I wonder, mean, like, are they going to build the, this magical universe and no one's going to come? It's just like, I'm trying to think of like the most horrible person in like another industry. Who's the horrible person who shows up at your party and then like offers you something that nobody wants? I'm like, eh, maybe not. Ar- like R. Kelly. Comes, yeah. Like R. Like, Kelly no. comes to your party. No. Nobody like, wants no. you to. Nobody wants you here. Yeah. Nobody wants you to perform. Nobody wants to give you applause. Nobody wants to give you attention, period. That That's Zuckerberg's trap right now. It's like just so it universally is. hated that people are just going to be looking at any product he does and being like, eh, not interested. And, you can literally and then Apple's create, the opposite. Right. And they're not going to make Gem and the Holograms. They're going to make some like weird, you know, sort of sanitized thing that only some people can play in for 30% cut. Yeah. I don't know. And it's only going to work on the iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Gem, Gem is truly outrageous. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I remember real. that show and I was just like, <laughs> who watches this stuff? Like, girls, I remember being 12 years old and be like, girls Me. are weird. Gem and the Holograms? Like, latchkey like, kid my little butt home get like a I mean, bag I of see the legion of doom be like <gasps> i want to watch like the Julia x-men Rages. animated show or something like yeah can we have some superheroes in here before we move on to softbank what? there is a little bit of breaking meta news that i grabbed before i popped onto the stream today which is that meta has announced evidently a hiring freeze well, they and is that, yes. warning but is warning now of a restructure ooh, ooh. yeah now is getting here we real. go now we, we're in full recession. It's a recession, Exactly. Folks. Because it has yeah. been, and I have actually been waiting for something like this because all my homies yeah. in media have been lamenting and laying off and talking about how it is an absolute bloodbath in the ad market right now. And so it the is, real yeah. test was going to be, mm. will it be an absolute bloodbath in the ad market at Google and Facebook? And it seems that, well, in fact, yeah. perhaps it could be. Which is a big well, deal. the question is, at places where they have so much cash, they don't have to worry about this. Will they take the medicine because they want earnings to look good, right? So here's what's happening. You, you look at a company like Apple, you look at a company like Google, you look at a company like Facebook, they have tons of cash. This is not going to save so much cash that they couldn't weather the storm. They have so much cash, they could weather it. Okay, so why would yeah. they do it? Well, if they perceive headwinds against the top line, right, people are going to spend a little less on advertising or advertising growth is going to slow. Well, if they get those headwinds, then what they expected their top line revenue instead of it being 12 billion this quarter is going to be 11.5 okay great mm-hmm. so now we let go we cut a billion dollars in uh expenses from employees and a billion dollars of marketing expenses a billion dollars of whatever expenses offices okay now we're going to be negative 500 million per quarter in expenses therefore the earnings stay the same or maybe even the earnings improve yeah so if yeah. your top line growth slows how do you keep people buying your stock? How do you keep your stock at a certain price? You make the earnings look good. How do you make the earnings look good? You got to cut costs. So that's mm-hmm. what's happening here is they're not making these because they fear they're running out of money or they don't 
want the employees or they don't want the resources the employees provide they're like you know what we cut 10 percent. we cut 20 percent. everything is more efficient as we had in the gospel according to bill Gurley on tuesday yeah the gospel told us like do a riff like and it has to be significant so you can actually be get brutal. the benefit yeah mm-hmm. it's got, you gotta get the benefit so this is the beginning and you know they i don't know why sundar and zuck are so uh genteel about this but they've taken six months to warn their employees and terrorize them oh everybody's got to work harder we got to perform better we got to be more conscious of expenses it's like hey guys make the, just cuts. Make the goddamn cuts and stop yeah. torturing people about it like if you're going to do the riff just tell every manager you've cut your bottom 1.5 people so you, you got to cut 15 percent. you got a 200 person team 30 people got to go you know what you're doing you run your department you have to wake up every day and hit your goals hit your goals or better with 15 percent less people let me know who we're letting go that's it yeah it's been six months of this it really has you're right and now even the fact that they're doing a freeze but warning of cuts is the same thing all doing? you're doing and and this is this gets to Gurley's other point right he was like i don't like a 10 percent cut because you don't save enough money yeah. to make it worthwhile and, and this is the important second part you incur a morale yes uh, a morale hit that is unnecessary and you didn't even get anything good out of it this is just destroying morale internally and you got to think at facebook your options are worth what are we at half now what they yeah, were less yeah. last year maybe less yeah. and so your options are worth nothing you're constantly under threat that you're going to be uh laid off it's like living on the dread pirate robert ship like i'll most likely kill you in the morning you're not doing your best work. It's amazing that they managed to put out the like the auto generate the unicorns thing because you gotta feel like they're not that stoked about working there right now. Hey everybody, I'm here with my pal Tom Eschbacher. He is the senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And today we're gonna talk about marketing for startups. And LinkedIn did a great new internal report called today in startup marketing. Welcome to the program, Tom. Thanks, Jason. We all know organic reach, super important. You make great content, you get your likes, you get your shares, you get your comments. But what people don't know is that you can boost organic and it creates a bit of momentum on your site. Can you unpack that for people? Definitely. So organic is just going to go to the audience who's already following you and then a smaller group of members who are connected to any of those audiences. So what we often encourage is keep an eye on your organic engagement metrics and and who are the people and companies and segments that are engaging most frequently with your content and then amplify that reach via our best-in-class paid advertising targeting. So what that means and what we've seen, especially for seed and series A companies, is by boosting successful organic posts with paid, it results in a 13x lift in unique reach. And that's really meaningful insights that can help inform your product and go-to-marketing strategies and open up new audiences for you. You can go to linkedin.com slash This Week in Startups and get the report for free, as well as a hundy, $100 from Tom. Here's the next year to drop. It always was in our industry that if startups weren't hiring, you had this backstop. Mm-hmm. I can go get an offer from Apple, Google, Facebook, Uber, Airbnb. I can go there. I can get like two offers. Then I can bring it back to my startup boss, you know, a series B company and ask yeah. for more equity, you know, negotiate harder. Now, those people who are getting la- going to get laid off from Facebook and Google, they're going to be like, I need to get a job. And they're going to go apply to Google and Google's like, we're not hiring. And Apple's yeah. like, we're not hiring. And they say, well, I'll go work at a startup. And now the startups are say, well, we've got six months of runway. 
And this is when you actually get a recession. Is like yeah. the, the, uh, there's a couple of towers that have to fall along this process. Crypto is easy. There's no core value there. Yeah, totally. It was you, just you, you, it was you, always a bubble. It yeah, was born you, in a bubble. <laughs> it, it it the bubble never got filled in. It was just all hot air. So yeah. like okay, it decompresses ninety percent. Some coins go down ninety nine percent. You know, the best coin, Bitcoin, goes down by whatever 70 percent. Goes down to. 20,000 from 70,000, 19,000, 20,000. Okay, great. We deflate that bubble. Stocks. Okay, which ones do we go first? Growth. Great. Boom. We collapse them. The Buco Capital tweet. We all love that Buco Capital. Uh, yeah, can Twitter we pull handle that Nick's, up about Apple? Nick's, is that the one uh, you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, this is Buco Capital. After Artie Buco from The Sopranos, this is Nick's it's burner incredible. account. I'm convinced. It's Nick's it's so burner good. account for sure. It's so good. Anyway, he's but like, it, yeah. this is one of the towers, right? You start to see yes, Facebook stock. freezing and laying off and then Apple stock, which is literally gold, right? You buy that, not literally, but you buy it instead of gold. It is a nugget whose value <laughs> will not go down. And this tweet was the other day was like investors who've been hiding in Apple are about to Ooh. have a bad time. He says, <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, good. A, a colloquialism for getting screwed. That yeah, is incredibly graphic from incredibly the film training day. Horrible. I was wondering where that was from. Anyway, he says, let's get this over with. Flush it. No more ticky tacky BS. No more head in the sand. Can't heal till we're fully broken and there's no hope left. Repent. Give us our medicine. He's basically like, sell Apple. There's nothing you cannot. If you refuse, here he goes. What don't people get? If you refuse to relent, you keep trying to hide. The Fed is going to keep destroying your wealth. Stocks need to go down. Spare us the pain. Speed up the process. Quit trying to fight it. Sell, sell, sell. I mean, <laughs> Apple was the last place you could put your money and feel like, okay, this is the, this is one of the last towers, right? So and it's this down is the this is the bottoming out process. Yeah, today, Apple's and down six percent today, and Apple said, remember how there was that like they were going to produce more iPhone 14s? Then they walked that back oh. and were like, ooh, actually, we are not going to produce as many iPhone 14s, even as we had initially, I think, predicted because the demand was not there. You had yeah. that tweet about discretionary spending. The other day, you were like, yes. people can wait. People are waiting on the new iPhone. So this I tower, predicted that, yeah. some bricks are coming out. This is the process, right? Like they want to stop inflation. They raise the rates. They threaten to raise the rates more. And the free money train stops. And here we go. Um, eventually, tech workers, high paid work from home tech workers were like, it was like finance people, media people, tech workers, like right. the finance people, they got washed. Okay, media people, like journalists, obviously, they got washed. Yeah. Okay, tech workers is all that's left. They're about to get washed out. Not all of them, but 15%. The other ones are still going to make their, you know, 200 grand a year, or whatever they're making, mm -hmm. and get their laundry done. Or maybe the laundry service is going to be like limited to like one bag a week or something. Like snay on yeah. the laundry lay. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's, it's just it's austerity. This part and of the it's almost like how you know, we're there. I have I feel a weird sort of relief when because you know, like, being on t being very online and working in the industry that we do is like being in a time machine. Like you, mm. you know, what's going to come. Like yeah. we see the future right. by Literally. virtue of people on the ground in different places who are already living that future or because there's so many signals that it is, uh, you know, we're pretty yeah. good prognosticators. It's impossible to miss. I feel almost like a bit of relief when the future finally arrives. And I feel like we're there now. Like the recession started this week, yeah. you know, well, the bricks we, we are were, coming out of the Apple Tower. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Okay, now we know we can get through. We've prepped and prepped and prepped and prepped. Yeah. And now it's here and we just got to get through it. The storm is here. You know, it's almost like it's 
this, you know, and, you know, I hope everybody in Florida is okay. I was trying you, to you avoid weather, that exact metaphor. I know. No, I was like, you, you ha- this is part of it. You have to weather the storm and you have to make plans for it. And, yep. you know, some houses that were not, you know, built the correct way or they were built in the wrong place, they get washed out. And that's, that's part of the process in this is like companies that were not on stable footing, not on stable mm-hmm. foundations will get washed out to sea. They're gone. Right. Like that. And that's startups or other companies going away. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's brutal when you go through it, but I kind of feel like you do that. This is the bottoming out process. We were technically in a recession. We had two quarters of negative growth, it seems. So the question is, how many quarters does a recession last? I think they typically last three to like eight. So we're in the third quarter of this, and I think it's going to go like four or five quarters, and then we start building back up again. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, and you can build a great company anytime, as Bill Gurley said. So this is a great time to build a company because now somebody got laid off from Facebook, somebody left Google, they got reorganized out of Apple, whatever it is that where Apple says, yeah. hey, guess what? We're coming back to the office five days a week. You don't like it. You, you just voluntarily got laid off, and we don't have to give you a severance package. Mm-hmm. thanks like that's the power move if i was zuck i'd be like yeah you know what uh we're coming back to the office four days a week if you don't show up you're out we're done i yeah. mean and zuck may do that zuck's hardcore if i was zuck that's what i would do i'd be like you know what there's no COVID anymore it's it's an endemic it's not a pandemic we're done come to the office or you have no job the end and then you don't have to pay six months crazy severance whatever these tech companies do and your options are washed you're good that's like the yeah. hardcore move i bet you he does it i bet you he does it just like we're coming back we're coming yeah. back that's it if you don't want to come back it's okay if you don't want, that's what that's what apple did right they said three days a week they did um, yeah no I, I think they're a different i think apple's a little um older school like old i think school, we're yeah. starting to realize that that apple is a little bit got a little bit of 90s management going on it's like very top down very hierarchical like i'm not too surprised that they're the company that said come back a guy who's building the metaverse has less of a leg to stand on with like and I need y'all like, in the office, you know. It has like a thousand even acres have any legs on Kauai, a thousand acres on Kauai, and like eighteen acres of lakefront property at Tahoe. Like exactly, kind of hard for him to come back if he's living he's in Tahoe, and Kauai. And by the way, I, I'm not like doxing him. He's incredibly public. He's like literally carrying an American flag yeah, on Lake Tahoe. He's like all he's the not very subtle him. about it. Exactly, yeah, he's like literally in a war with the people of Kauai over like their ancient burial grounds and like ancestors land. And he's like, yeah, I bought it. And they're it's like, just but the worst. you can't buy that piece. He's like, yeah, I bought it. <laughs> just like, dude, worst. read the room. Can't everybody hates you. The worst. Do you have to buy everybody's acreage in Kauai? Like just buy it and make it part of a natural preserve and, you know, name it after some, you know, ancient, uh, for, uh, bear forefather or foremother, yep. you know, in Hawaii and be a cool dude. Instead, but he no. goes to Kauai like an idiot and just do you know how the Hawaiian people are about their land and like yes. their tradition? Like, I mean, we can't leave Larry comes? Ellison out of this conversation either, right? This is well, not, he there's made, plenty but, of colonizing happening here. Well, when he bought Lanai, though, he made it, I think he made this agreement that it would never be developed. So he, it was almost like he's going to die. He, he knew this. So when he bought parts it, parts of like, it, I think he's building like a huge. Hotel yeah, but there. He, he also he's building he's got this two hotels on it now but he yeah. also has all the subsidized housing on it for the people who live there and so he, he, he's like true he did it right true. like people yeah. love him there he's he's revered i believe uh where zuckerberg is like uh, anyway listen if you're a founder or an employee at a startup it's critical that you become capital efficient at this time fundraising is tough right now and cutting your burn is really important and one great way 
to cut costs is to run all of your SaaS apps on one platform. And that one platform, Odoo. Odoo is the only software your company will ever need. Using Odoo's suite of business apps means you don't have a bunch of messy SaaS subscriptions. No, everything you need is already on Odoo. All you have to do is turn it on when you're ready and they'll only charge you for the apps that you use. Odoo has over 40 main apps and 16,000 from their open source community. Sales, accounting, marketing automation, HR, website builders, and so, so much more. And this will streamline your business. No more issues with transferring data back and forth. Nope. And you'll have one customer support contact across all your apps, not 20. And you're going to get more done in less time while saving a ton of money. And here's the best part. The first app is always free. And Odoo is offering $1,000 in credit on your first implementation pack. So go to odoo.com slash twist for $1,000 off. That's odoo.com slash twist. So this leads us into, yes, yeah. briefly so one more layoffs time. Are coming, great. Zucks layoffs are coming. SoftBank is reportedly planning to cut at least 30% of the ha- headcount at the Vision Fund. And this is such a, this is like so dislocating to have been watching the shows, right? Like mm-hmm. watching We Crashed and just yep. just remembering, like kind of reliving the time when SoftBank came in and changed the, with Malaby's book, changed the entire industry with yep. this just like, boat super yacht boatload of cash and now has lost so much it is confusing the structure there are two structures the softbank the corporate and the softbank the venture vision fund right so there's the vision fund which is the one that rampaged in with all the money and changed the entire venture industry and has reported a loss of 21.7 billion dollars in the quarter ending in july softbank's fiscal q1 and then there's softbank the company right just this huge sprawling company and softbank itself posted net losses of 15 billion and 23 billion in the last two quarters respectively so you could sort of see why they're laying people off yeah and, and just so people understand, when we see the people who have the biggest piles of money doing significant cuts, you want to talk about a riff here, we're talking about 30%. Okay, Bill Gurley mm-hmm. said five to 10 is not, you're not going to feel 15 to 20 you do. Now we're talking 30 here. These are significant riffs that are going on here, reduction in force. Yeah. And um, if the big companies are also doing riffs, I believe Apple's basically done a de facto riff. I don't know how many people left the company because of the three day a week thing, which started in last month, I believe. But uh, you are going to see a lot of people in tech looking for jobs. And when a job description goes up, you might have instead of like, nobody apply or a bunch of green people apply, or you know, weak candidates apply or no candidates apply. Now you're going to start to see like, people competing for jobs. It's going to be gnarly 2023 is going to be a bit gnarly for startups. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You might have somebody mm-hmm. who made their money and got their options at Apple or Facebook. And they're like, you know what, I'd like to own some equity. And I can work from home instead of going to Apple's office. Yeah, I don't care. Pay me whatever you want. I already made my exactly. I already made a couple of million bucks. I'd love to work on a startup. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm equity driven, not cash driven. So the people Great. who used to be equity driven and want to own a big piece of a startup, you know, a couple of points, you know, at the founding of it or something. They were like, uh, I'll take the points and the cash. I want you to match my Apple offer and I want the cash. And I had people come to me like, oh, I raised like a million five and this person wants 400,000 because that's their RSUs at Facebook or whatever. And they hit the jackpot and they got in early. And I'm like, yeah, you can't hire them for that. Like, you're, yeah, that's not possible. Like, you can offer them 150K, like maybe, you know, like you're, you're a seed stage company. They, mm-hmm. You've like, who do I hire? I'm like, get creative. And that's when people started hiring in Canada, Uruguay, 
Ukraine, mm. like that. This is why people got creative. And this is the great thing about founders, they get creative. Now you might be able to hire somebody in San Francisco Bay Area, you know, somebody living out in Utah, whatever, who worked at Apple, and they're like, Yeah, I'll take a flyer. So this is going to be right. great that now the now the industry builds back up. And the talent goes to the remaining projects. So now what we're going to see also Molly is uh, the consolidation of talent. So let's say half of the startups that let's say, you know, in a given year, 20% of startups go away. Okay, now it hits 40 right during this terrible time like it accelerates people can't raise bridge rounds you get a bunch of companies hit the wall they can't raise a bridge round the most talented people from those can't get jobs at google they go work at the other 60 percent of startups they want to work at a startup let's say they, they prefer being at a small company those folks now you get consolidation so the stronger the the, the rich get richer the strong get stronger basically mm -hmm. so the strongest startups get the best talent and they get them mm -hmm. at a better price that means whoever makes it out of this is going to be hardcore teams with like great benches. It would be like taking the NBA and you're like, you know what? Let's go down to 18 teams. Right. And you're like, we what? just distribute these players, massive wealth redistribution. Exactly. And now all of a sudden, talent. instead of having one all-star or 1.5 all-stars per team, you got three. Now everybody's yeah. a super team. If you went to 10, if you went to 12 teams, six in the East, six in the West, and you just played tournaments, or let's say eight and eight, you just took the playoff teams, it would be just like getting rid of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Just 16 teams, boom. That would be, be awesome. Incredible. Incredible. The league would be a much better to watch. In fact, Nick was saying this. Like Nick was saying this exact thing. Yeah. There he's should be two whole, leagues. He's got so. a whole relegation strategy mm -hmm. that's like football, yeah. your European like football. Soccer, yeah. And next up, actually, Jason, I have to go. Jason's oh, going okay. solo with Lon Harris. Solo dog. I'll take it. I got it from here okay okay thanks You're okay have fun Dismissed. okay bye all right it is thursday it's thursday that means this week in streaming with lon harris beard's looking strong strong beard game for those of you on youtube I saw it Roger could use Waters a little more shape night. it could use a little more form i'm letting it a go more, a yeah. little bit we put a little hair gel in there a little product yeah no I don't, I don't i don't usually do the product but i i could I, it needs to be cleaned up a little bit and like straightened it's a little all over the place i'm not watching lord of the rings you're out. I'm out. I, you know, I was like, I think I'm going to wait to the end. And then when I have a dry season of nothing to watch, I'm going to binge it and give it a chance. Uh, I think that makes sense. Thursdays. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, like, I, I love it, but I do recognize that it is, it, it, there, it has a level of depth for people who love Tolkien that, and mm -hmm. I don't think they're doing, they're not going very far in bringing everybody else on board. Like they are counting on you being, Mm. Pretty invested in this world and its rules and it's how things progress and at least knowing the story of Lord of the Rings pretty well. And I'm finding that the less that you can pick up on all those references and Easter eggs and ideas, the, the more this show is sort of leaving you cold. This is the challenge, I guess, in today's modern age. You know, I just want to start with um, House of the Dragon. I love the last Correct. episode. I was prepared. I came in. I was ready to be upset at the recasting of the uh, lead part. Mm -hmm. And it worked for me. So, you know, it's mini spoilers here. But, and by the way, my wife is watching this. She hates violent shows. She refused to watch Game of Thrones. And now she likes this show. I think because of the female lead characters. Yeah, I, I, it is. It is less. There is still violence and, and the gore and it is still upsetting at times but it, it, i feel like it's it's fetishizing that stuff less game of thrones really came in with that very strong idea of like 
this is not like other fantasy and this is the hardcore edgy fantasy. This is like, what if all this stuff was gritty and real? And I feel like House of the Dragon is like, okay, you love this world and you love these kinds of stories and the dragons, whatever. It's not, it, 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 it's not, that's not the major selling point this time. The cruelty, the brutality, the sexuality, they're, they're downplaying that stuff more in favor of the storytelling and the maneuvering and the politics. It's also a thing I've been enjoying about it. It's, there's a lot less magic. There's a lot less fantasy. It's a lot more like the politics. And yes. then it does happen to be this one family that has dragons. So there's that level of, you yeah, know. Baseline of fantasy. It's not our world. There's dragons. There's seasons that last a really long time. But it's not every episode is, well, there's this mm. magic temple they've got to go to or there's oh the faceless men or this god or that god it's very ground level so far in terms of like just people what do they call that in the business palace intrigue there's a lot of like the the palace intrigue if you will uh in the show i guess the key thing was this high-risk maneuver they decided to replace two characters two female characters uh emma darcy replaced millie alcock as uh, Rhaenyra. Targaryen. Rhaenyra Targaryen, yeah. Well, she was the princess our main now, character. Our main character. And, um, you know, I wanted to be upset by this because it seemed like, well, they didn't replace the guy. They didn't replace her cousin. But... Matt Smith. Uh, they pulled it off, didn't they? I thought it worked really well. Uh, Olivia Cook also stepped in for Emily Carey as Alison Hightower, who's currently the queen. Uh, I, I thought it worked really well. Uh, it I didn't even notice the queen changed. Yeah. That's so weird. The, the actresses were so close that I didn't, I was they discussing with similar. my wife and I was like, did they change them or is this like some aging or whatever? But Renary's husband also got aged. So they did replace a man as well. So yes. Yes. Just one person uh, getting replaced. Yeah. They, they aged up. And I think I, I really, I like how they, I like how they did that. It really reinforces not just how much time has passed, but how much has changed in the relationship between these two characters when we yes. when we last saw them versus when we see them again. We we got to see them as childhood friends, and now they've grown up and they are bitter rivals. And yeah. I like that it really reinforced that they're like, this is a whole we're stepping into a whole new world. This was almost like a new pilot in some ways where it's like we got to reset the whole stage and i saw some people on social media were a little negative about that it's like i don't want to start all over i just got into this show i don't want to get into a new show i like the fact that they started all over um and that they had these new actors it is really effective to jump time to have these new actors jump time yeah i i I really liked how they how they sort of pulled it off and also that you get to see the progression i was sure the king was going to be dead by now because he's got leprosy or whatever is going on with him uh but no it uh he's still around and and they got to progress his illness which was really fun for the makeup and design teams this show is like the greatest hit of the year i think I think this will be the show of the year. Am I correct? I mean, I look, there's a lot of great reservoir reservation dogs just wrapped up its second season on FX, which was amazing. Severance was this year, which is definitely one of my favorite shows. The bear. I really loved the bear. All of those I think are great, but none of them have the scale. I mean, right. This. this way, if you're talking about the biggest show of the year, the most like epic show of the year, then yeah, I think this is definitely, this is definitely up there, but. I don't, I, I, I'm holding off on maybe best so far. Yeah, if I defined best as in most popular. It's certainly a huge hit for Amongst HBO. the most well done. Because you could yeah. argue, oh, maybe the performances in The Bear. or You know, I preferred 
severance because right. it was unique. Well, I mean, like, in terms you might of the have preferences, impact, but in terms of the impact, like yeah, this is definitely delivering for HBO, and, and and there were a lot of question marks around: is Game of Thrones still even a viable franchise? I mean, people were really down on that final season. Mm. The, the, you know, I, I think there there was it was a big question mark that was very well, crucial for HBO. They really needed this, and I think it this was now a question mark. It. It was and now a question it's an mark. And now it's an exclamation point. Exactly. It's like, this is the B. And so this is my other question. If it was a question mark, did they say, let's make this self-contained one or two seasons. Let's move the story along. Let's just get a big win here. As opposed to, hey, they could have drawn this out. We could have had Millie Alcock for this season. They could have done this change next season or in the middle of next season. It feels like they're moving so fast here that this is going to wrap up. I, I mean, I don't know. They, he's got that whole fire and blood book that George R. R. Martin wrote that they're sort of cribbing off of, which is almost written like a history. Mm. It's not written like a novel. It's written like a history book about the Targaryen oh. dynasty. So they've got a lot to work with. I think even if they, even if the focus shifts between characters, I think they've got this whole world 200 years before mm. the battle, the, you know, Robert's rebellion and the story of Game of Thrones. It, yeah, I mean, it is moving at a fantastic pace. And uh, I think that makes it good TV. And I could see another production company or I could see another, you know, streamer saying, hey, let's let's milk this. Well, the other thing that HBO did that's pretty canny is rather than just putting all of their focus on one Game of Thrones follow up, they worked on like eight. They've got, they still got a ton of spinoffs in development. So there was like, there was going to be one with Naomi Watts where it was going to be about a different, I'm, I'm blanking now, but it was a different prequel story. And mm. then there's one about the sea snake before the action of this show. And then there's oh, wow. one of Cor Corliss Valerian. You've, you've met him. Yeah. Uh, so there's one about him as a seafaring adventure. There's one about Princess Nymeria, like a thousand years in the past, like one of the folk legends in this wow. era of Westeros. There's the Duncan Egg ones, which is about like a, a knight and his squire and their adventures. So I think they, they, they're throwing everything at the wall and they're seeing which project looks the best, like which pilot looks the best, which series is coming together the best, which ones do we like the most? And then the cream rises and the others get scuttled. I, li and, I like it as an approach. You know, yeah, you, I think that's you, a really a smart approach. couple of pokers in the got, fire, see what gets hot. And this show came out first because this was the one they felt strongest about. They were getting all these pilots and these scripts in and they were like, this one's good. And then the next one that looks, I think, the like the best chance is the Jon Snow sequel yes. series. So, yeah. you know, they, they, they're giving themselves time to see what bubbles up and what, what ideas are kind of coming together the best, which is a pretty smart way to do it. I mean, this is uh, getting talked about. It's got a lot of buzz. Obviously, people in your life are probably talking about it. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, at this point, it's doing, it's getting about half of the viewership week to week more. It's getting, it's getting about 29 million views week to week. At its height, Game of Thrones was getting 40, 45 million views week to week. Like, That's to get that close to season eight Game of Thrones within five or six episodes is stellar i mean very good like a sign that people are very much still into westeros and eager for more content this makes me sad that they couldn't figure out how to do this with sopranos uh especially before all the principals started dying yeah you know, there could have been all kinds of interesting spin-offs and whatever and i mean many honestly was, I, I liked yeah. i liked all the saints of newark more than most but it definitely felt more less like a standalone movie and more like yeah. it should be leading into more of a prequel like i would really yeah. want to watch a story about 
you know, Tony's ancestors fighting for control of central Newark against Leslie Odom Jr. And his crew, like, that sounds great. That sounds great. That would have been a great pilot episode. They should have done a pilot. Right. It was like a movie. And then like we talked about going to that. Okay. So Warner Brothers Discovery is being sued in a class action suit. Speaking of HBO. Yes. The the suit alleges that Warner Media inflated HBO Max subscribers by 10 million during the merger. We know this is true. HBO, they basically... They admitted this in their August earnings report, their first earnings report after the merger. So the first earnings report of WB Discovery is its own company this year in August. They mm. came out and they said they explained overall domestic U.S. subscribers. There was a drop. And so they explained, well, this was because HBO Max, Warner Media used to count AT&T wireless customers who were gifted subscriptions to HBO Max as HBO Max subscribers, whether or not they signed up. So if you're an AT&T wireless subscriber and mm-hmm. we're like, hey, go to HBO Max, sign up with your AT&T wireless number, we'll give you six months for free. Even if you never bothered to go to yeah. HBO Max and actually complete the sign up process, they counted you as an HBO Max subscriber. Uh, this it's is, a uh, it's sh- it is definitely shady. It's gray. It's, shady. Eh. it's, 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 it's gray. It, there's a little bit of gray in the black here. This is this is uh, really right. misleading investors. They're going to lose this. They're going to settle this case for sure. Right. And this is always for uh, yeah, here we are on this week in startups and this week in, in uh, streaming. Just never do this kind of shady stuff with numbers. I know people want to hit numbers. The better thing to do here would be say, hey, we have access to this many subscribers and we've converted 16% and we think we can convert 70% based on hitting these targets, they should have just sent all these people a deep link. If they wanted to fugazi this as a better fugazi way, they should have just sent everybody who's on the wireless, a link that said, click here to activate your free, and then opened a session with them with like a hash without them having to sign up and just start playing House of Dragons. Right. If you click that link, you're automatically in as user one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. Right. And And then it's a viable, then it's a subscription. If you you watched an episode, yeah. And then you're like, hey, what shows do you like? Then on the back end, it says, put your email in. So, or, you know, put your family's emails in so they can also share this. And then it sends links there. So this shows like a level of um, buffoonery on the part of the tech team. There's a very simple way to do this. You know, you have some websites, you click the link in the newsletter, you're logged in when you get there, right? So when I'm right. uh, using Nextdoor, maybe using a real estate site, Redfin or Zillow, they're pretty sophisticated. Like we don't want to put up a, a login. We know we lose two thirds of the people and have to log in. So what they do is they make the the URL unique to you. It lasts for maybe a week in your email. Then that URL turns off. And what's the crime? What's the damage if somebody you forward the email and they logged into your account? Oh, they watch Sopranos, and now your yeah. feed has a Sopranos episode. Watch. It's not a big deal. So yeah. dumb. This is dumb. Bad execution. It, it is. I, I think the one thing, you know, it's a little, p- this story got reported yesterday, and I, I think a lot of people thought they did detective work and figured this out. It's like, no, this is a thing we've known happened. Like, yeah. And this happens a lot. Like, a lot of other streamers have done similar things. It's really, like, the lawsuit names Zaslav and, and the CEO, the current CFO uh, of Discovery. This is really on Warner Media. This is how mm. Warner Media had been counting it during the AT&T era. They just didn't. Zazai probably knew and didn't say anything, but it wasn't his call. Mm. This was a this was a Warner Media way of counting HBO's max subscribers to maximize them to make it sound like the numbers were a little bigger than maybe they were. Well, I'll tell you what. It's also they keep 10 going million at this pace, moving the needle. 
yeah, at this pace, with the Game of Thrones, with the industry, Euphoria, I think HBO hands down is the best streamer right now. What's your ranking right now? Yeah. If you if you had to keep three services, for me uh, it's HBO. Give me one of yours. You have to keep. keep I think three. yeah. I think if you're talking in terms of bang for your buck, like most good quality content for what you pay, HBO Max and Hulu to me are pretty pretty far and away mm -hmm. the, the the best two. Uh, yeah, and then I, I put and, Disney Plus rounds out my third because I have kids and I, I yeah, love I, well, the Star Wars franchise. I like Disney franchise. Plus too. I like the Star Wars show. You know, yep. I like having that stuff. And they actually have a surprisingly deep, you know, library. Like I just want Avatar on there. And so those lot, are like, your three. Uh, those you are know, your top the, three. If you if you could, if the, this is for Lon, I don't want you thinking about this like as a journalist or an analyst. No, no, no. I know. I, I, I'm turning I off. I'm changing your passwords for four down. You can keep three. <laughs> I'm mean, changing those yes, passwords I, for the rest of the. I believe those those are my three. The other the only other thing I was going to say. Okay. Those are my three. The only other thing I was going to say is if we're talking about consistency, mm -hmm. like they have the most good stuff versus the stuff they release. Mm -hmm. Apple to me is I've never like Apple's batting averages beyond any almost any studio I can think of. Like, well, they're, they're sniper shotting it. Like I, I watched it. Was it Tehran was on there? Yeah. It was out in Amazon. Ter no, Tehran yeah. is Apple. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that was really well done. That was like watching a, a, a better version of Homeland. Not maybe the actors weren't as good, but I was like, this is incredibly well done. They seem to be like, and they're almost like an HBO-ish, but yeah. maybe not as edgy. So right. you don't get but the it's, sex, but drugs, it's and rock and roll. It's that same. It's the FX. It's the HBO. Mm -hmm. If a show is on this this network, it's a good. It's good. You can rely on The brand on means us. something. Yeah, and like that's for a, for a non-studio to come out and right away develop that level of curation hmm. that like I, there was it's Wild impressive. Horses, that Gary Oldman spy show. Olivia Cook, who's in House of the Dragon, she's in that. I just, it didn't even interest me that much. It was this British spy show, Gary Oldman's in it. Terrific. It's just, if like it's Gary on Oldman. Apple TV, you can pretty much count on it's going to be worth your time. And that's that's really, I, I really value that. So I did want to single single them out. They yes. don't have as nearly as much content as the other it's competitors. Trickle. It's a trickle. It's cheaper though, but mm. I, excellent yeah. curation. I think Gary Ullman to me is a, how a lot of people feel about Stanley Tucci. Like I could watch Gary Ullman makes an omelet and I mean, they're both great. Tucci's great. Like who's Tucci's as really an actor, great. an actor doing something incredibly mundane, you'd still watch it. You tune in, you click like literally making a French, teaching you how to make a French omelet, like the classic French omelet, very simple thing to do. Oh, I mean, I, I, it's like, I, Who would you, know, you I, click on mo, mo, most actor. Like I, I love, I love a lot of You're actors. And I would, I would love to watch them make an omelet. I mean, obviously Nicholas Cage making an omelet would be a, an event that you Walken. would want to see. Michael Shannon making an omelet. Who wouldn't want to watch Michael Shannon Absolutely. make an omelet? Helen Mirren making an omelet. Would be amazing. It I, would be amazing. I like to crack the eggs. <laughs> I use guys, a little butter, guys. Step one, you gotta grease the I pan. I use a fork to break the yolks. <laughs> I don't want the yolks to fight me. I kill them first thing. Everybody. Uh, Everybody yeah, I would definitely, that. you know who I like is the guy from Boardwalk Empire who also did the 70s music show. What's the tall guy's Bobby name? Bobby Cannavale. Bon Bonnie, uh, yeah, Bobby Cannavale making an omelet would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about this because I just watched on Netflix John Favreau and uh, the chef. Um, chef. Chef. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the show chef, chef show that he does, yeah. It's a chef show and, you know, like I could, John Favreau like cutting onions and like mm -hmm. getting instruction on how to cut the onions is interesting. It just shows yeah. you like some people are, have charisma.
you know the charisma thing like sure some people there's just also have selena things. gomez has an hbo max show where she cooks you know i haven't chefs. seen that yet i selena want to see that one. chef yeah huh, interesting uh all right I know this because I, I went down the chef rabbit hole the last two days because I was coming. I'm in downtown LA for 24 hours to see Roger Waters. Incredible sure. show last night. I was in the front row. Shout out to my friend, Mark Jeffrey, who got first row seats for us. Wow. Just unbelievable. I mean, I 79 years old puts on a hell of a show is like, it's really interesting to watch somebody from the sixties or seventies, like a radical mm. still keeping up that radical. Yeah. Well, he's very outspoken still. Yeah. Mr. Very Waters. outspoken. And he was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just going to his show got to my feed. In last I, week. I got myself in trouble. Like people were like, "You went to see him? He thinks this about yeah, that." And yeah, I was like, yeah. "Didn't check his feed." Well, he was saying some, some anti-Ukraine stuff. He he was taking yes. sort of Russia's side in the Russia-Ukraine business. And you know, then you watch him do the show. He, he's just a pacifist who doesn't want people murdered because he experienced a lot of pain and suffering in his life, and he's just very a very hurt person. Because he saw people suffer and die. And it's like really interesting, like breaking down this issue of the artist and what their experience is in today's lens of like the artist's belief system has to be put against whatever today's cultural lens is. And I was just saying, yeah. like, how would the wall have been received today? He's also, it's it's just, it's this bizarre shift. Uh, he's from this era where rock stars were supposed to be jerks and difficult. And that was, mm -hmm. that was part of it. Like that was yes. part of the persona was that they're iconoclasts and they're, they, they have their Turning own- Turning over a table, way trashing the, a like, hotel room. Read. And I mean, it was a whole generation of these guys. Yeah, and very now, punk rock. We we hate that now. Now we want them to be good boys and everybody should be nice to yeah. everybody. And like, it's just the culture has shifted so much that it is hard to imagine how a, a Roger Waters, like, would he even have a career today or would it right away be like, this guy's a jerk. We don't want to listen It would have been like him. the wall. Like, what is, why are you putting us through this, like, you know, right. painful thing to watch? These songs are too abrasive. This is like, get over, you know, they would just been like, why are you singing about this? Like, can you just can't dance to this I, I was just sitting in there watching you're a saying bunch of children don't need an education yeah like <laughs> wait why are they not listening to the teacher what is, yeah. is it what about the teacher why should you and why, why are you telling the teacher to leave them alone what is the teacher uh, doing to them is I, it in I, florida to me to me that's the whole shift it's like rock stars used to be this like elusive and it was like a magical thing they were Mystery. from another plate they weren't like us you know it was like you were you, yeah. were, you would go to a concert and you're con you're convening with them for like an hour and a half but then they're going to go back to their rock star world and you have no idea and today it's twitter and twitch they're everywhere which rock there's star there's no mystique anymore all right which classic rock star if they were alive today on twitter which you most want to follow. Wow. I have one that just comes right up to my head. You're I gonna... mean, John Lennon would be exactly. banned exactly. from Twitter. You it. Yeah. Lennon John would have been banned from, Twitter. from day one. He would have gotten himself banned like day one. You want me to take a vaccine? <laughs> yeah, right. No, <laughs> you just like pics or something. Like he would have gotten in trouble immediately. <laughs> but John that's he's Lennon from that on Twitter. Era. Would be that was what you were supposed to be like if you were He'd a be rock on Twitch star with then. Yoko Ono in bed. He'd be like, "We're live streaming from our yeah. bed." This they is a message to Donald Trump. They absolutely secure the border, have. build yeah. the wall. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle John, don't. Yeah, don't build a wall. All right, listen. Uh, speaking of walls being built, I've been really wanting to see this film, uh, Return to Dust. Uh, oh, have Chinese? you seen this? Yeah. One? No, I it played at the Berlin Film Festival, but so far I don't think it's gotten much uh -huh. of an international release. 
Mostly yeah, I've been hearing about this film. I've also been hearing about the film The Wow. That's the, those are the two films. The that's the Aronofsky one with Brendan. Yes, I, I like Aronofsky. I mean, I know he he's off the rails sometimes, and it's hard to watch his stuff. But this one, The Wow, which was based on a play with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. You know, they give him like a eight minute standing ovation at con, which yeah, I think the average is like Brendan four Fraser minutes. Already yeah. a large guy, but he's he's playing like a four hundred mm. pound housebound man, and uh, yes. so he's Ooh. putting on like, a lot of prosthetics. And they're saying the perform. I haven't seen the movie. They're saying the performance is incredible. And it's earning a lot of comparisons to the Wrestler, yeah. which is probably my favorite Aronofsky movie. The oh, one with the Wrestler. I have to watch uh, it again. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to that one. Yeah, Re- Return anyway. to Dust is, is uh, you know, it's like a pastoral. It's like a love story about a farmer and his wife over the, but one of those, like, over the course of decades, like, taking mm. in their lives from their courtship when they, I think it's an arranged marriage, when they first meet and and get married and then over the course of their whole lives together on this farm. And it's a, it's a realistic depiction of, you know, the Uh-oh. gritty, tough life of a Chinese farmer. And so, uh, what we're leading into in China right now, the Party Congress, which is like the biggest event for the Chinese Communist Party, all the party members get together, ceremonies and celebrations, uh, and, and they, they really like it to take place during a time of national pride and patriotism yes. and a celebration of the Chinese character in the country of China. Uh, and so, they. Th- th- this is all conjecture. This movie, Return to Dust, played at Berlin, was celebrated, was a hit film in China. It's now on Chinese streaming services, but this week it has been totally pulled. It's gone. And there was, and there was social media. There were hashtags about what happened to it. And then those social media hashtags have been banned. Yes. So, okay, we know what's going on. There's obviously something going on. And the, yeah. the theory is that it's it, because we're so close to the party Congress that the Chinese Communist Party is like, look, this movie is about how it sucks to live in the countryside and farmers have it really tough. That's not the image we want people to have of China right now. Let's get rid of this thing. This is like their nomad land. The Francis uh, a bit, a, Right. A bit. It's, it it's like sort like of that. demystifying, like, t- like taking away, humanizing the mystique, taking away the mystery, making it like, look, we romanticize stories about Chinese farmers and the rural life of the, the peasants or whatever. Uh, yeah. But this is a more realistic sort of gritty everyday depiction of their life. Uh, did you like No Man Land, by the way? I did. You know, I, I thought... I thought the Amazon Nomadland, stuff, yeah. Nomadland. I thought the, Nomadland. the Amazon stuff where they were working at the Amazon warehouse yeah. was real weird and felt sort of like artificial. I know Chloe Zhao wanted to shoot in those Amazon warehouses and that, that far felt, I felt disconnected from the rest of the movie. But once it became Frances McDormand sort of on her own with the amateur actors, I really liked yeah. it. I liked all that stuff. I wonder if Amazon, uh, you know, in some way participated in this, like allowed oh, yeah, them to shoot a did. factory. They no, did. They, yes, she uh, she got permission to shoot inside the Amazon warehouses for those scenes. But I mean, t- I think that's also why, if you notice, the characters, they're all pretty upbeat about their Amazon jobs. Like, they mm. love the Amazon job. They wish they could last more uh, al- along the year. They're like sad when it's over and they've got to go back to the desert because uh, it's a good source of money for them. Which I think is accurate. Like, uh, the I, people who get those jobs. Not. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying but, but it's not. It's I feel it like a, yeah. another filmmaker would probably engage with that more because it's a topic. Yes. Like there I would be more that of the a most balance. interesting. Well, that was the thing I found this super interesting was I was thinking about my parents 
um, which one does when you're starting to think about people in their 70s or 80s yeah. when you're of a certain age. And I was thinking, well, what if my dad or my mom had to do this, right? And they needed money. And this was an option they found to go work for three months before Christmas, make, you know, work seven days a week, whatever, 12 hour shifts. Mm -hmm. And these 70 year olds packing Christmas toys and whatever for the holiday season and then living, you know, like this very um, nomadic lifestyle, like in a parking lot, essentially in a, in a campground. And I was trying to think of if like the humanity of it, you know, and it, it kind of messes with your brain a little bit thinking about the humanity of that, doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I, and I still liked how it didn't it didn't feel like it was being pushed into a, a narrative. It felt like we were following Francis McDormand's character and it didn't feel like it was rise and fall. This happens then this. It's more just like the no. rhythms and patterns of her life and like a year in the life of this woman. Uh, and I and I really did. I like that sort of rhythm of it. It wasn't like we're going to uplift you at the end and she's going to become, right. she gets stock no, options in Amazon and gets a mansion in a gym. Right. Like, it's, no, it's, like she it's doesn't like, take her money and buy Amazon at $2 and it's yeah, just, it's, it's this is like a life. How a chapter in your life is like you start somewhere, you end up somewhere else, you've maybe grown or learned things, but it's not, you know, it's not like, well, everything's resolved happily ever after. And, and I, you know, I, I like that. And it, it, it added to the lived in kind of realism of, of the rest of the movie. I also thought some amazing performances from amateur actors, almost everybody except David Strathairn. He's professional. The guy she, ah. she starts dating. All the other people that she's living with who are mm. in the, the, the sort of RV little area with her. Those yeah. are all real nomads who live that lifestyle for real, including the guy she's talking to is like the author of the book about how to live that lifestyle. Yes, yes. That's the real guy. He's telling his real story about his son dying and how he got to be on the road. And that's such a moving scene to get from a guy who's not even an actor, just telling his life Th this, story. I think this film is going to, I have to watch it again. I, this film has haunted me since I've seen it. Uh, my connection to the tech industry, obviously, if you're in the tech industry, I think like, th this film is not judgmental in any way. It's not attacking Amazon. It's not. No, it's, we're trying it's to, just these matter of and fact. It's, it's just like you're saying, they, they're just like, here is actually what's happening. It felt so authentic. And then these people want to be in this lifestyle. They're opting into being this nomadic lifestyle. It's almost like they're at the end of their life. And I, of, I, I often think about the end of my own life and other people's lives. And I think. What what is that last 10 years where you're trying to figure out what just happened? You know that like, what just happened in my life, the last five years, and then well, I'm still alive. So maybe I get something out of this last five or 10 years. And what I want to get out of this five, five or 10 years is just being with these people, and just making some coffee by a campfire. I thought in a way it's one of the beautiful films of our time that I don't think people saw it. And I don't I think for a lot of people, they missed it. They were looking for this Amazon, I'm gonna make a point at some point, you know, I'm going to make some, yeah. I'm going to tell you how to feel about, you know, people working in factories, or I'm going to tell you how to feel about e-commerce and local stores going away and the Walmartification. It, it, it wasn't a triste on capitalism. It was a, uh, uh, it was a meditation on the end of your life and what you want to get out of it. This film is yeah. so powerful. And it's, it's Chloe Zhao's not afraid to like give you time to think it's a, it's a, it's a patient movie. There's, there's space in it. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and 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 so often films, even indie films, even lower budget films, even smaller films, they have that relentlessness of pace that like this, yes. then this, then this, then this, they're afraid you're going to look at your phone, you're going to look at your phone. Uh, mm. There's that there's that Miyazaki concept of ma, do you know what I'm talking about? 
Uh, no. Miyazaki, the great animator, Hayao Miyazaki, yeah. he talks about, he, he calls it, uh, it's a Japanese word, ma, and it means emptiness or like stillness. And he's like, yes. in every movie, he has to figure out how is he adding, it's like umami, like the fifth taste that mm -hmm. it's hard to sort of describe. Sure. It's it's hard to sort of necessarily describe Ma when you see, but you know it when you see it. It's a moment right. in a film or a show where it's just it's it's characters walking, uh -huh. it's it's wheat rain. grass blowing in the breeze, it's rain. It's a moment of quiet and stillness to allow you to reflect on what you've just seen, what you're watching, yeah. and where it maybe is going to go next. And it invites you to do that exactly that kind of contemplation that you're talking about. That I think people. We've trained them to not do during movies that you're that you're supposed to do to get the most out of it. This is the problem. I have a concept at movie theaters. There should be a movie theater, you know, uh, with the collecting of the phones mm -hmm. uh, at uh, comedy shows. Right. I have now. Uh, I'm lucky enough uh, to like one of my dreams came true as a kid. I always like love movies. I wanted to be a movie reviewer. I had seen Siskel and Eber when I was like 12, 14 years old, and I told my mom. The first job I ever told her I wanted to have, I said, I think I want to review movies like Siskel and Ebert because you get paid to go watch movies and I love movies. This was like a mind bending capitalistic thing that I made the connection. And uh, anyway, I have a movie theater uh, in this uh, ski house that I bought. And, uh, you know, I now will find a great movie and I turn my phone off or I put it on the other side of the room. And I've just decided this year I'm going to start leaving the phone out of the room and having no devices because I do find myself pulling out my phone. Uh, and yeah. it's very easy to do that, like in a Marvel film where you're like, well, I've seen every yeah. fight scene possible, like, do I, I need to see to this me, or not? This is one of those things about the theatrical experience, too. Like, when you yeah. hear people talk about the theater, they always think of it as it, Avatar. Well, you got to go see it on the biggest screen in IMAX and 3D. Mm -hmm. That's the theatrical experience. But part of the theatrical experience is just that if you're in a quiet, dark room with no distractions, like, that's how movies were designed to be watched. And now we watch them in this very, you know, doing three other things kind of way. And I'm, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not blaming other people. I do this too. How do you not? The phone is like ever present and it's, right. you can pick this thing up and find the most interesting 30 second video. And that moment, what'd you call the moment? Moment of ma? Ma, M-A, ma. M-A. So that ma moment, by definition, you have to let kind of sweep over you. It, right. It cannot compete with the TikTok video. Because the algorithm has picked something to dopamine your brain. And now if a filmmaker puts that in the movie intentionally, we're trained uh, to zone out. Oh, this is a good chance to check my phone. It's like, no, 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 you're th this is the moment. You missed the mom moment. In. Now you uh, get drawn into Hal's world. This is how you learn. This is how Spirited Away envelops you. Yes, yes. It's, it's so lost. I mean, I'm the, the, the whole concept of going to a theater and having that experience, I think, is become, it's going to be lost on this generation, but our generation, I think we're the last one to, like, fully embrace that. We would. My hope is that it, it becomes like a vinyl record thing. You know, like, mm, like vinyl yes. records are not the primary, that's not the way most people listen to music. Spotify is much easier and you can just pull it up on Spotify or YouTube. But... For aficionados, for people who mm. really care and get into it, there's a vibrant community of people who still collect record players and go to record shops and buy records. Mm. My hope is that even when I'm an old man, I'll yes. still be able to go to a movie theater because there will still yes. be a little vibrant community of people like me who haven't let go of that yet. But most people, I, I feel like it's going to be on your phone or AR I'll tell you or the you thing know, whatever. I miss most about it. Uh, when people looked at it as cinema... And we would go to the Angelica in New York mm -hmm. on uh, Broadway and Houston. Uh, we'd go down there. 
You've been to it, yeah. And I've we would seen, go. I've seen the movie there. Yeah, we would go. And sometimes we go at like six o'clock. We'd look at what movies were available. Because buying right. tickets, you, you didn't have the internet. You just go, you'd look at what's available. People you forget. buy a ticket this for later that it, evening. This is how it used to be. You used to go to like, they would have six screens. You'd be like, we'll see what, what, what we're interested in that's starting next is what we'll see. Yeah. So what we do, what we would do is typically we'd go, we'd meet, uh, meet at the Angelica at five o'clock. We pick a movie. Could be at seven, eight, nine, whatever. Okay, now we're gonna go have dinner. Let's go. Oh, movie's coming quick. We're gonna go for some quick dinner. Oh, we got time. We'll we'll be leisurely about it. But the best part was after the movie, getting a cup of coffee, getting a drink, whatever it was, and breaking down what you just saw. And that was like the whole tradition of it, right? And uh, I think for young people out there, see some of these like seminal great films, put, turn your phone off, and then really have a discussion about what the artist was like attempting to do. And then this is why I really, you know, back to this film being banned in China, Return to Dust is where I really want to see it. And I, and I hope that this is my great hope is that like the theater experience can actually be even more coveted, where like, people come together and they have talks afterwards. I always felt like when I went to Sundance for the first time, and I really want to go back to Sundance and get a press pass. Because after each movie, these nerds would go and sit outside uh, and go to the cafe at the Yarrow, mm -hmm. have a cup of bad coffee, and we talk about the movie. I kid you not, I watch Napoleon Dynamite, watch, you know, this other film, we go sit, Roger Ebert's there, just to come yeah. full circle on Like My Dream. Roger Ebert's there, and he's, he's alone, and two of us come walking up, he's like, join me. Whoa. So now we're talking to him. That Elvis Mitchell from the New York Times walks up. Yeah. Remember Elvis That's, Mitchell? Yeah, sure. Of course. This is like That's what festivals used to, film festivals did. You really used to be like that. Uh, less so now. I think they're more, it's, it's become more Incredible. of a Comic-Con, like crowded, like it's harder. Yeah. But yeah, when I first started going to film festivals, it really was like that. You were just, you know, you would be yeah. walking down the street and you'd, you know, you'd just pass by. Super people accessible. Talk, random groups of people talking with celebrities and reviewers and it was all... It wasn't that big of a community. But let that sink in. There was a, the, the celebrity at Sundance was Roger Ebert because he really thought about the movie, the art, and what was there. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things I love about my friendship with you. In the early aughts, I'll tell a very quick story. That I, got, I'll, I know we got to get out of here. Yeah. In the very early aughts, I went to the Santa Barbara Film Festival to cover it for, like, my college paper. So this would have been, like, 99 wow. or 2000. And I was watching a movie. It was an adaptation of a Ray Bradbury short story. And then I went to the, – there was a McDonald's down State Street from where the, the movie was. And I got a little bite to eat before the next screening. And in mm. comes – uh, Joe Mantegna, the star of the movie, and Ray Bradbury. And they sat right next to me in McDonald's what? and ate their meal. And I said Fly to them, fish? Hey, what did Ray Bradbury? I, I think watched, Ray Bradbury gets a filet of fish. I uh, yeah, like a burger or something. And I said, Hey, I just watched your guys' movie and it was great. And they were like, Hey, thanks, man. I was like, I'm talking to Joe Mantegna and Ray Bradbury in a McDonald's on State Street in Santa right. Barbara. Like that was Amazing. incredible. That was like, 20 years ago already. And if you're young and you want to make movies, go make art. All right, listen, that's Lon Harris, the amazing Lon Harris. Follow him twitter.com slash lawns, get inside.com slash streaming, the newsletter. And uh, you can always play Stump the Lawn. Just go to twitter.com and you, you, you type in, I love this film and this TV show. Or you could say, I love this uh, album and I love this TV show. You could say, I love this album. I love this type of food. And I love this movie. And he will tell you more of what you'll love. He's literally an algorithm. He's a cultural algorithm and a cultural treasure. Thank you, Lon Harris.